Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Scare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Allie, I am so excited to have Kelly Stevens on the podcast today because not only is she the private practice pro who teaches thousands of therapists how to build their private practice, but she's also a good friend of the Teletherapist Network and the podcast. And we're going to hear from her about a couple different missteps that she has in the therapy room. And we're going to learn about how even the private practice pro makes mistakes. Yes, and it was so nice to, we do cover such a range of stories, we cover some really intense and heavy topics, but we also have some nice humorous, lighter episodes, and this one is great because we laugh a lot, we talk about the smaller mistakes, but it all has this common thread of how we can own even the smaller mistakes, how they come up, it is so normal, and then also how we can just develop our own systems and strategies to navigate these things as they come up, not feeling like we have to reinvent the wheel, but how we make it work for ourselves. So it's nice, it's light, but also has a really good theme to it. And as a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right, well, this is episode number 41 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I thought you said Allie at first. <laughs> Sorry. Nope, I, just I you. I didn't realize you were talking to me. I realize I'm the guest I should have known. Sorry. My bad. It's okay. Welcome, Kelly. You and I have known each other for a pretty long time now, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And for those of you who do not know Kelly Stevens, Kelly, tell us about yourself. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I have to be honest. I was like a little nervous to come on and confess. I think we talked about doing this for like the last six months. <laughs> but um, I'm, really, I'm a big fan and a big listener. So I'm really excited to be here. And um, I guess for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kelly Stevens. I run a company called The Private Practice Pro, where I teach therapists how to open private practices. I'm on Instagram. I'm on the internet, on the websites, on the TikTok, everything. Um, and I post a lot of tips on how to open a private practice. And I also have a private practice. So um, I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you. This is amazing. It has been in the works for a while, I feel like. We scheduled this quite some time ago, so the time <laughs> is here. And I think we were saying we might do something a little differently today. What are we going to talk about, Kelly? What's your story? Or maybe stories? Well, you know, okay, so we were talking off camera, and yes, this has been in the works for a while. I feel like it's nerve-wracking to kind of come mm -hmm. on and talk about mistakes or situations you've had in private practice. So I thought I could share a few different stories today and just, you know, I think so often as therapists, we want to appear kind of perfect to our clients. And mm -hmm. there's, at least for me, tons of little mistakes I make all of the time or things I've done more than once. Um, so I thought we could talk about some of that today. Maybe you guys can share some of yours too. Mm. Oh, I yes. love this because so often, you know, it is those little blips that maybe we they're so small that they shake our confidence or rattle our, our, uh, our, our, our trigger our imposter syndrome, but they might not feel big enough to actually seek consultation for or go get supervision. And so we kind of push them aside and maybe, maybe they pop back up again. So I really like this idea of talking about the little small missteps that happen to probably all of us at some point. So, so Kelly, what are some of your uh, shall I say, frequent but not major missteps in the therapy room. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let's, like, start small, maybe. Okay. Okay, so I would say one that is challenging is, well, first of all, I've had more than one client sitting in the waiting room before, which I'm sure – For the is, same time. For the same time. Has that happened to you guys? I've done that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No. What did you guys do? <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> no. I just assumed that this one was like one everyone did. Um, I might. I might be the oddball, but that knock on wood. I'm sure it will. But what did you guys do? Help me out. What should I do if that happens? Oh, I wish I could say it's only happened to me once. This has happened to me. I don't know. In the last decade, probably five or six times. Has this? What yeah, about you, Allie? Well, some of it has been my own error, admittedly. And then sometimes it's been a client error. Um, it's happened on telehealth. Well, sometimes I'll see someone pop up and I'm like, oh my God. And I panic and I look like, look at my calendar. I look at my phone and I'm like, okay, this one wasn't me. And I'll just shoot them a message like, hey, I think you're early or whatever it is in that way. Um, when it has been my own fault, I have owned it and been really honest and been like, I am so sorry. I made an error and just try to work it out. Um, but it's not fun and it's a bit embarrassing. It's the worst. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm i laughing to myself right now because I think, uh, Katie, you and I had a meeting scheduled a few months ago, and I no-showed. <laughs> so, wait, Kelly, I hate to break it to you. I think you did that twice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I forgive and forget, and we are still good friends. Yeah, yeah I think so. I've done that twice. So, yeah. 
Um, I definitely have ADHD and, and I would say the majority of my clients know that. So I work primarily with teenagers and young adults, which is no excuse, but I do actually find that my teenage and young adult clients are more forgiving and tend to no show about the same amount. (laughs) Not that that's an excuse. It's not. Um, so the times that it's happened to me and granted, like this is over the last 10 years, you know, in practice. So we're not talking like in the last year. Um, I would say I've probably done this once, at least once every other year or so. And uh, sometimes it's not my fault. Sometimes it has been my fault. And typically, you know, I kind of try to do the same thing that you're saying, Allie. Like, uh, usually in the moment, luckily the times it's happened to me, I've had maybe one client who I've known significantly longer Like, I've had some clients who I've known a really Mm. long time, and I've found that those ones tend to be the ones that are like, oh, Kelly, (laughs) like, hmm, this is not unexpected. And, you know, which is, again, not their role and not their job. But I I think it's to some of the dynamic. And like I said, like, we're talking about 17, 18-year-olds who um, I do feel like it's a little bit different. Um, but I usually try to work it out in the waiting room. Like I really made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Is there a way one of you could come back later today? And no matter what I try to fit them in or I do fit them in at the last appointment of the day. So like if I, if this happens, then I make sure that like I'm seeing them still that day. That makes sense. So what do you do in terms of like, for me, this raises the question of, do you offer the session for free because of your error? Do you offer both for free, one for free? And then also, I'm not going to st- question stack. Come back to me for my second question. <laughs> you know, I'll just say I never have. So okay, I okay. haven't had it. I feel like I've kind of lucked out and that I've never had it be a client who was very angry about it. I've had mm-hmm. clients be very angry about other things. Um mm-hmm where I have chosen not to charge them, you know, like if a client came in and I'm totally the wrong fit for them on a first session and things like that. Um, but for this particular mistake, I haven't. Gotcha. And I haven't either. You don't, you don't. So when I, so I haven't had two patients waiting for me at the same time, but I have actually just recently, this happened for the first time where I forgot to book one of my telehealth patients in my calendar and I live and die by my calendar. And so I'm like literally downstairs making lunch and I get a text message saying, hey, you know, is our session on? And it's already like half past, like uh, 15 minutes past the start time. And so I always offer the rest, the remainder of that session for free. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if it's past like 10, 15, 20 minutes, if it cuts into the 50 minute hour, then I always offer it for free. Um, or I have in the one instance it's happened. But, you know, I'm so intrigued that you guys add them to the end of your day. And what do you do if, if patients no show you or you ha- they ask to cancel with less than 24 hours? Does that feel like a double standard with the no show fees? Talk me through that. What do you think, Allie? Well, I will say if someone was kind of like upset or if I couldn't get them in right away, I will offer like to give them like a almost like a freebie of like a like if they late cancel in the future or something like that, like I'll take note of it, you know, write it down and then maybe utilize that of like if again, if they're kind of frustrated, if we can't make it work schedule wise, then I will do that. So I wouldn't like, again, I guess necessarily like not charge the um, 
full session fee, but I might waive a late cancellation or something like that. That makes um, sense. And same thing, like I have had to late cancel sometimes if I'm like really sick or like say something Mm -hmm. happens with internet and usually same thing if it's like really last second, like I know I'm kind of like we can't make it work for the rest of the week. I'll be like, you know, again, I know this is me canceling with like far less than 24 hours. Like you can absolutely kind of have a credit if something happens and there's a late cancellation, like we'll, you know, waive that one. So that's kind of how I try to handle it more so. That's great. How about you, Kelly? You know, so with the clients is like has happened with like, again, I, you know, five or six people, I keep really good track of the mistake I made. So I'm certainly with that client, not the next month going to charge them for a late cancellation. So if I've already made that mistake in our relationship, I'm obviously going to be much more (laughs) sympathetic toward when they make the mistake, you know? Sure. Um, But in terms of like the standard across my whole practice, no, I tend to keep my boundaries the same because I feel like if it's like I'm responding to the way, I guess the way I think about it is like that client is coming into one therapist, right? They're one client coming into a therapist, whereas Mm -hmm. I'm one therapist seeing 30 clients. Mm -hmm. And so I have to have a standard protocol. That being said, in those individual relationships, if I've made that mistake or I've late canceled or I have something that's going on, then I'm going to take that into account with those individual relationships. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of like, you know, if I have a client who I've no-showed on, then in the next month or year, I'm not going to then hold a double standard. But I will hold my normal standard across my whole practice. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, it happens. Maybe it's an ADHD thing because I also have ADHD, Kelly. So maybe it's <laughs> that is the determining factor. Oh, I'm factor sure here, this happens ADHD. very frequently to either ADHD years as well. Very I really struggle with it. I mean, I struggle with this in my personal life too. So it's not, you know, what the funny thing is, I don't struggle to be on time. So that one doesn't, but like it's the calendar, like it's the forgetting to put it in the calendar. Yes. That yes. like if I don't put it in and I recently so I used to be paper calendar all the way now I have double so I've really since actually that, that time I no showed on Katie uh I have doubled up so I have a paper calendar and I have an automatic calendar and I have reminders so I have kind of like a a triple system now so I don't want to say it's that I never time. forget I still do but it's harder to forget you have the systems in place. So what are some other frequent missteps you experience, Kelly, in the therapy room? God, this is freaking hard, you guys. I'm going to have to like keep on telling you the things I've done wrong. We have a running list and uh, we share them. Oh, there's no judgment. No judgment here. And you do know what show you're on, right? I know. That's why I avoided it for like six months. I'm a perfectionist, in case you didn't know. Um, I have called people by the wrong name. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've like, mm-hmm. and the bigger one is like, I've only done it once where I've called the actual client by the wrong name. And that mm-hmm. was horrible. And they never came back. Um, which oh. I don't know. I mean, it was like a, a pretty new client. Like I'd maybe seen them once or twice before. And it was at a time when I was way seeing way too many people, like 35 appointments mm-hmm. a week. Um, and not in private practice, but that was a huge mistake. I subsequently in more current years, I've called like their boyfriend the wrong name mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. actually just posted about this on Instagram this morning, knowing I was coming on this show. Uh, but like called the mom the wrong name or someone that's not mm-hmm. my actual client, but maybe mm-hmm. is tangential to them. Mm-hmm. So wait, let's loop back to this this client that you called the wrong name and then they didn't come back. I mean, it's you said that like it was the determining factor. It, what was that like in the room? Was it clear that she was like, oh, this is over when you did that? Or did she just not come back and that's what you attribute it to? Yeah, it was like a boy. It was not a boy, but a teenage young man, I guess. I think or at the time around 17, 18. Um, in the moment, it was it wasn't like we had a super great working rapport prior. So I used to work um, with teens who were really struggling with severe and persistent mental illness, who I was working in an outpatient program. And this teenager didn't want to be there anyway. However, um, I really like pride myself on being able to build rapport and really understand that teenagers a lot of times don't want to be in treatment, don't want to be there and really like coming alongside and saying like, look, I get that you don't want to be here. Like I wouldn't want to be here either. And and really trying to meet them where they're at. And like a huge part of that is really knowing them. And so I think mm-hmm. um, in the moment when I called this client the wrong name, it was like they were already in a system. They were already in an outpatient program um, where they didn't want to be, where they already felt like they were part of something. And so it was like mm-hmm. another person not seeing them and, and understanding. And and so do I think that was the only reason? No. But I think it was an oppor- a missed opportunity and not, mm-hmm. you know, to be like, I'm your I'm your individual therapist I'm your advocate here like we're gonna make this work um yeah and so yeah I mean it felt it was shitty definitely yeah you know and on both ends yeah and I I think about that too it's like it takes a lot for teenage boys to come to therapy and um you know I thought about it years later like maybe that in the room uh he like really quickly just corrected me and mm-hmm. I did, I owned it in the moment. I was like, I apologize. You know, I've seen way too many people or I don't, I don't know if I said that this week, but I, I said something like, um, God, this was a while ago. Uh, something like that's representative of my own stuff has nothing to do with you or something. You know, I tried to put it onto myself. I don't know that I said a great answer. Um, uh, that probably wasn't a great answer. Well, uh, I mean, is I don't know if there is a great answer to it, right? Yeah. All we can do is try and repair. I've called a, a client their sister's name before. Yeah. And that, yeah, that, that, I mean, that was an easy-ish repair. I think it was part of, um, you know, she was speaking about her sister. And so it was, or I called her sister her name or something like that. But I feel like that was a little different or, yeah. or felt a little different in the room. Like that, I feel like was easily corrected. Yeah. Um, except I, I did like it twice, <laughs> which was really bad. It was one of those, yeah. you know, brain worms when you like, you, you're you like, do not say this name. Oh, this yeah. is not her name. And then you say it. That's 100%. what happens to me the second time. 100%. I still work with her to this day, I think. Thankfully. We talked about this on the network, actually, this exact conversation not that long ago. And I shared a funny like story about this. Um, so a little bit different. So again, I think it can be different because sometimes it is serious and it feels awful. Um, sometimes it can be humorous. So I'll share this story here on the podcast. Um, I have a client who has a really close relationship with their nephew and they also have a dog and their dog's name is a very human name. So let's say I'll make it up. The dog's name is Bob. Yeah. And the nephew's name is Brian. Oh, no. So in the beginning of our relationship, she would talk about 
Bob. And I thought Bob was her nephew. So she'd always be like, oh, yeah, I went for a walk with Bob today. Oh, blah, my blah, blah. I was like, oh, that sounds so nice. I'm so glad you get to spend so much time with Bob. <laughs> and then one session, probably over a year into our therapeutic relationship, she said something like, oh, I just have to put Bob outside really quick. And I was like, what do you mean? A year like, well, he has to go to the bathroom. And I was like, who's Bob? You're calling CPS, Bob? right? Like, oh my God. And tell me who was Brian. Like, oh my God. And we like <laughs> laughed about it. And she's like, no, Bob's like the dog. And again, I'm just changing the names. So it was very similar to like very the same. They started with the same letter and he has a very human sounding name. That's and I great. owned it and I was like dying laughing. And I was like, for this past year, every time you have talked about your dog, Bob, I have thought that we were talking about your nephew, Brian. And she <laughs> lengthily, like, we laughed. It oh was very funny. Oh my gosh. She totally great. understood because the dog has a very human name. Um, but that was an example where we will we were, we were able to utilize humor to like yeah. get through the moment. Yeah. But I was like, I have been talking about this dog like it is her nephew for a year. How is this real life? And we still work together. We have a fantastic therapeutic relationship. I know who her nephew is now. Um, but you'd be amazed how much you can similarly talk about dogs and like four-year-old nephews. Oh, totally. I am I am not surprised. Kelly and I, who have the toddlers, are not surprised I at all. I always say this- he's like a puppy. <laughs> like. Oh, I say toddlers puppies are, harder, are but... yeah, I think puppies are harder, definitely. But I do think there's many similarities between toddlers and puppies. This feels like a really great place to pause for an ad break. So, Catherine, do you ever wish that you could just sometimes have a friend to talk to about a book? <laughs> Actually, Ali, no, no, I can't relate to that. I've never, never really wanted to talk to anyone about something I've read. However, I am really excited to meet all of our listeners because you all are invited to our first ever free public book club through the Teletherapist Network. I know. I am a bookworm, so maybe that is more niche to me and my interests, but this still is such an amazing opportunity for us to all connect as a community between the Teletherapist Network, our listeners here on Am I a Bad Therapist, and the book is amazing. We are reading Glow in the Effing Dark, Tara Schuster's highly anticipated second book after her first, Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies. If you haven't read Lilies yet, you need to pick it up. And we're going to read Glow together when it comes out at the end of February. So now is the time to register for free for our free public book club. We are going to be having a private community just for therapists to read and discuss Glow in the Effing Dark together. Together. And as a special treat, Tara Schuster herself is going to join us at the end of March for a private book club discussion with just us. Which is amazing. Like, this does not happen. I hope people can realize, no. like, she is such an incredible author. She's huge. Her books are amazing. And the fact that she's going to join the conversation, even if you've never joined a book club, never really wanted to, this is the one to pick up. This is the one to do. And Allie and I personally cannot wait to meet you inside. So register either in the links below or at teletherapistnetwork.com and we will follow up with more information closer to the community's launch at the beginning of March. And now let's circle back to the show. So so this leads this brings up another interesting thought that I have, and that is something that I struggle with. 
Um, how do you guys, because this also makes me feel like a bad therapist, when we have these ancillary people to our clients' lives, like boyfriends, uh, oh. like, I'm sorry, to boyfriends, girlfriends, partners, significant others, children, parents, relatives, keeping their names straight, even for like multiple year patients, like I've been seeing some patients for five plus years, keeping them straight is so difficult. How do you reference them in session without letting on that you don't know their name? And do you think you do it successfully? I think all therapists can relate to this. Oh, okay. So first of all, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Yeah. My husband is a psychiatrist, okay, and has a freaking phenomenal memory. Like, he could tell you who the brother of the person in his third grade class was. Okay? Like, I don't even understand. And so, and I am, as you can imagine from all these other stories that I've just now shared with you, uh, not that person. <laughs> so, 100% I have to write it down. Okay? Like, you I write them down. Yeah. I have it in my client's notes, like, typically in the intake session. But, like, if somebody has talked about it, in the previous session, somebody, I write the name down because I will not remember. But I also know that what is so comforting to my clients is when I say, how is your grandma Lynn doing? How mm-hmm. is like your boyfriend, mm-hmm. you know, how is, you know, whatever. And it it's that feeling of feeling known that's so important. I know that's a big deal to me when like mm-hmm. my therapist knows my great aunt that I was talking about last week. So I have to write it down. But this is a point of contention in my marriage, too. So just so we're all oh, clear. Oh, interesting. Wait, tell me about this. Because now I'm thinking, I was taught not to put names in progress notes. Right. Do you keep, where do you write the names down? Psychotherapy notes, progress notes? And why is it a point of contention in your marriage? Well, just like remembering things in general. Like this type of thing oh, in okay. general. Like, um being able to remember little names and little details about clients, yeah. not just clients, but about our friends and our family and whose birthday is next week and, you know, the mental load of, of life as a family um, is the thing. And this relates. But, you know, I do put them in my client's progress notes in simple practice. I probably shouldn't. There's probably a better way. But I don't I do, know. You know, I don't know. I was just instructed not to. So yeah. I don't know where that came from, but I follow it. So yeah, I so I do put it in. The only exception to that is with because I do see teenagers and I'm really clear about um, like high conflict divorce. So mm-hmm. if I were I'm working with a teen, especially and there's any sort of conflict going on between the parents um, then my notes are like, teen worked on psychodynamic coping skill today or whatever. Not mm-hmm. psychodynamic. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's real vague. So if I ever got mm-hmm. subpoenaed for a custody situation, um, it wouldn't be in there. But if it's a college student who's telling me about so-and-so's boyfriend, I usually just use the first name too. I don't say like the whole last now- name logistically how do you pull that up in session or do you review names before session yeah I look back especially Ah. for college students because my college age clients which is a lot of them there's friends matter boyfriends matter to Mm -hmm. and and it changes you know I mean Mm -hmm. who someone hooked up with last week for so yeah I absolutely go back and look before the session but that has to do with my own ADHD I mean my own things that I serve I do this with marketing too so if I like with referral sources or, you know, I take notes on like, or honestly, I'm the queen of like with my referral sources in their name thing, like in my iPhone, 
you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, Katie. So uh, like in the last name part, I'll put like notes <laughs> like their kids like names the same thing. or like where I know them from or. Oh, yeah. So My that, phone like, contact yeah. list, no one else would ever understand it except for me. Same. Same. I have to. I mean, like I'm on the struggle, <laughs> but, I, you know, I have to or I'll like all sorts of crazy things. Like I'll make their picture the logo of their company. Oh, that's smart I do that too, too. Mm-hmm. Catherine. Do you're guys. you're in my phone. Your picture is the teletherapist network. Yeah. <laughs> so I do the same thing. Or how to this pronounce their name. That's oh. another one. So I think what we're really hitting on, especially with this episode, <laughs> is all of these smaller uh, missteps or therapist bad moments. And I guess we're all kind of sharing our systems and our, our our safety nets that we have noticed that we've put in place kind of naturally, it sounds like, yeah. to help us prevent these missteps from the future, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I feel like I've definitely learned from mistakes, too, though. Like, when I've made a mistake, like, if it was something bigger, I feel like I'll be like, okay, I clear – or if it maybe happened twice, I'm like, I need a system yeah. or a strategy to kind of, like, navigate these things. Um, even for myself, like, I keep actually, like, my, like, shorthand, kind of, like, chart notes, I guess you might call them, in my planner. So, like, oh, if yeah. I have a client talking about an event, like, next week or, like, we talked about following up or if they talked about some story – because I work with a lot of college students, too, Kelly. So, if it's, like, the tea, the drama, yeah. I, like, will on their next appointment on my physical calendar will jot like a shorthand note to myself and Ooh. I look at that too before and then that's different from their progress note that I keep but that's like my own little personal reminder to be like yeah. hey whatever happened with you know the party that Josh threw and someone broke something or whatever it was and like, co- like, like that my film. college clients love it you know if they're like oh, how was that party last they're like how did yeah. you know you know yeah so I put it like, because mo- I have a lot of clients who like have similar spots or even on my planner, I have like a side part for notes in the next week, I'll flip and like write those quick little shorthand notes too. So that helps a lot. That and helps. I also, my college students, I love them. They're my favorite population. So many of them will be like, oh, do you want to see a picture of this person uh-huh. so you can put a face to the name? And I'm like, yes, I do. Because then my yes. brain is so much more likely to make that association or that connection. So when they offer it, they're like, is that weird? I'm like, I was going to actually ask you if you yes. felt comfortable with that because I'm more likely to remember them if I can picture their face. Okay. Does this happen to you? I'm wondering. Like, So I work with that same population, teenagers and college students. With my teenage clients, I cannot tell you mostly a lot of my clients are young women. And so often they're like, can I show you a picture of this guy that like whatever? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, isn't he cute? And I'm like, he's 17. Like, don't ask me that. What? Like, and they always, and you're like, so what do you say? So I usually just laugh and I'm like, you know that I'm 32, right? Yeah, I say that same thing. (laughs) I'm like, joke about it. Right, I usually yeah. am like, yeah, that he's cute. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. To, I'm like, this is like, he's like a baby, you know? Like, what do you want me to say? Like, I don't know. I usually smile and nod. Like, oh Yeah. It's like when your friends mm-hmm. ask you, you know, they're dating someone new and you're like, they're like, oh my God, look at it. And you're like, uh. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, great. Awesome. Just I have kidding. no idea what you're talking about, Kelly. Yeah, all- none of my friends listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine either. <laughs> Actually, probably none of my friends do. I don't know. Maybe they do. So, Kelly, I know you do a lot. You train a lot and you teach a lot of 
both new green therapists right out of school, mm-hmm. how to build a private practice, but a lot of clinicians also leaving agency or group th- yeah. practice work and how to build a private practice. So I know you probably hear a lot of these in- these smaller um, insecurities come up. Oh, yeah. So what would you say is the number one insecurity you hear from therapists starting to build their private practice? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I would say a big one that comes up for people like it's funny how often I get direct messages on Instagram about about some like big situations where I'm like I'm not your supervisor like I can't tell you what to do um but one I hear a lot people talk about their age a lot you know I'm afraid Mm. I'm too young to work with this client usually it's too young you know and and having insecurity about that and asking about that you know I would say that I can absolutely relate Mm -hmm. to that you know, as a younger therapist, uh, maybe not now, but not too long ago. Yeah. Um, what would you, what advice do you give those clinicians who feel like they might not be a good enough therapist because of their age? Both, you know, I also hear at the opposite end, too old to do telehealth mm-hmm. um, or too young to be in private practice. Right. What would you say to those clinicians, you know, concerned about their age or limiting themselves because of their age? You know, so I always just like share more of a personal example because I think it first of all everyone is going to be different about how they're going to deal with this but I my first client ever so I went straight through from undergrad to grad school so I was seeing clients by the time I was 23 which like is young you know um I was Mm -hmm. like still going out at night on the weekends and being 23 and then I was seeing clients and my very first client was like 64 um Mm -hmm. and so you know, I was like less than half her age or something, you know, well, I can't do math, but not half, but anyway, um, a third. And my supervisor at the time said something to me, which really helped, which was your client is not there to help you deal with your insecurity about your age. Mm -hmm. So you cannot bring it up to that client. Number one, you are in the room to help her. And I want you to really focus on that. And that was so helpful because I think in those those very first sessions, my temptation is just to say something, you know, like I'm an overshare. So my temptation is to be like, you know, I know that I'm younger than you, but I'm still here to help and to address it. And she was like, unless that client brings it up and addresses it, you need to show up as the sturdy person in the room. And so then you bring that into supervision. And that was so helpful to me because then I could walk in with that confidence of like, I'm here to help. And if they want to bring it up, great. And I've certainly had clients bring it up. And I can talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But then bringing – I saw it, the thing I tell people the most is to like not talk about it with clients and to bring it into supervision and to really talk about it with your supervisor. And then as I went through my career and had my own private practice and, you know, I'm kind of like what you said. Like I'm a younger clinician, but like I nobody asks me how old I am anymore. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's kind of nice. That was a while ago. You know? <laughs> no one like is like, how old are you now? I'm like, uh, I'm fine. Um, but earlier when I was in my 20s, people would ask me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think what you're a lot of times what we teach in school is like, what would it matter to you what my age is? Whatever. I never say that because if they're asking the question, it matters to them. And so mm-hmm. I was always honest. I told them my exact mm-hmm. age and I would say, you know, I'm 26 years old. Um, I've been doing this for this amount of time. However, I'm not a seasoned clinician in their 60s and 70s. And if that's what you're wanting, I am more than happy to help you find someone. If you want someone who really relates to your teenager and who can speak to them on that level, I'm your girl. 
you know, and I would just be honest. And then I could own my role in the room, you know, and then it's changed as I've gotten older. So owning it, really embracing it, leaning into it, using it to your advantage. Yeah. I don't know. What about you guys? What has this ever, do clients ever ask how old you are? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. Same. When I was super, because I was the same, I went straight through. So early 20s when I started, I was doing community mental health. So you work with all ages. Um, And I was very similar where I didn't feel like I had to bring it up. But if someone did bring it up, I was like, this is my age. And I would say like, but that's okay. We might have interesting perspectives for each other. I might have a different lens that I can help you look at it from this angle. But similarly, Kelly, like you said, I would be like, but if you are looking for someone who's more your age, that's okay. This yeah. is your time. And always refocusing it. Like, this is whatever you need. Yeah. Like, I'm here for you. If this isn't, you know, the right fit, that's okay. Um, and it's funny. I actually joke all the time now because I do work with so many college students and young adults. And I feel like I can relate even still now in my early 30s. But I joke, I'm like, what am I going to do when I get old? What yeah. am I going to do? Because my most of my career and population has been relating, mm-hmm. doing well. So many of my clients are like, oh, it's nice to have like a younger therapist. Yeah. I feel like I've had therapists who are 50, 60. I'm like, what am I going to do when I'm 50 and 60? <laughs> I think about this all the time. I mean, I've kind of made a career pivot at this point, and I work more with therapists. But, um, you know, it's funny. I, I think even my young adult clients – Maybe like when I hit my 40s, definitely having kids changed my dynamic a little bit, I think. Like, I definitely get more of the mom projection than like the cool older sister vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Now. I remember the first time I was like, oh man, I don't look that young anymore, is when a college student asked me if I knew what TikTok was. And I was like, yes! <laughs> oh my god! Like, I am on TikTok, okay? How how old do you think I am? But that was the first like, oh man, I crossed this, crossed this bridge. There's no going back. I had to like change my headshots recently. And I was trying to like, so I, I had a headshot on my Instagram that was from when I was like 24. And then I needed to change my Instagram bio headshot. And I was like, I need it to match. Like I need it to look as close mm-hmm. as possible. Cause like I've built mm-hmm. a following and whatever. So the mm-hmm. photographer literally did the exact same background in the exact same pose with the with almost the same shirt and it was horrifying (laughs) oh it's a direct comparison i was just like oh my god i I need a new picture i can't Uh, yeah so you know we all age it's cool it's cool i like who i am now and i'm not trying to challenge I would challenge that idea that you can't work with college students when you're an older clinician. And we're going to hear from all the over 30 clinicians working from college. 100%. We're going to get a lot of comments on this. I agree with you. And like my therapist in high school and my therapist in college both were over 60. And I totally felt like they were with it. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think like 100%. My therapist now, I mean, all the therapists I've worked with have been over 60. I feel like it's the age gives you this surface level of we're similar. Mm -hmm. But if you give, you know, below the Mm -hmm. surface level a chance, the similarities can be there just as easily, if not more. Absolutely. I think it's just this surface level. Oh, you look similar to me so we can get along or I want I'm attracted to you as a therapist. Oh, 100 100 percent. And like when you're doing a different piece, like I've recently thought to myself, like therapists that I seek out for my own therapy Sometimes I think I seek out people that are too similar 
And mm-hmm. I think sometimes for whatever whatever my next piece of work is in therapy with someone, I think I actually need a therapist who's not quite as similar as me, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. you never know. Absolutely. But I love this. I feel like the theme for so many of the stories we've talked about today is kind of like owning it and then just making our strategies that work for ourselves. Because I think that's another thing that we can fall into these traps as therapists, especially with social media, is like that comparison to others of like, oh, "Oh, well, maybe I should do that. And it's like, no, that would never work for my brain. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own strategy and figure it out for myself and not feel that like pressure or comparison and things. So I feel like for any of the stories we talked about and any of the ones I feel like we do talk about on the podcast is just like, how can we own it and how can we make it work for ourselves? So I love that, you know, hearing these stories, we can laugh, we can have this humor, but also, again, just own our own stuff and yeah. make it work for ourselves. Kelly, we can't thank you enough for joining us on the podcast. And for those of our listeners who don't know where to find you, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at The Private Practice Pro. Same for my website, theprivatepracticepro.com. Same for TikTok, The Private Practice Pro. That's it. Thank you, Kelly. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at air effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.